1: The Links and Locks podcast. 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 Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken yeah. dinner. Five. Four. You got real talent. You don't concentrate on golf.
2: Welcome to Links and Locks, Action Network's golf betting podcast, presented by Bet Three Six Five. I'm Spencer Aguirre, your host for today's show. And I'm happy to be joined by Nick Bretwish as the two of us will be running you through this board with some of our favorite bets for the RBC Canadian Open. Unfortunately, our typical show leader, Roberto, couldn't make it today, but we will keep the hard-hitting bets flowing and try to have some fun as we lock in a few winners for a course that is lacking statistical data. Nick, I think all of that's a good segue into our best bet segment. Uh, I am going to have a very interesting take that I will get to here shortly, but what are you giving everyone as your top wager for the week?
0: All right, I'm gonna turn back the clock, and uh, my energy's down a little bit. It's just Roberto when he when he opens it up with "Hello, you beautiful degenerates." I love that <laughs> intro. We couldn't uh, we couldn't take it from him. That is his intro. Gotta leave it to him. But I'm turning back the clock a little bit. I really liked what I saw out of Brant Snedeker last week. I'm gonna go Brant Snedeker, top forty plus two forty as the best bet on a board that I did not find a lot of value on.
2: Uh, Do you want to get into some of that reason for a second? Because we're going to have much more for you to talk about here because I'm going to give the same answer. I don't have a lot to talk about, unfortunately.
0: Certainly, yeah. So I, uh, again, no statistical data at Oakdale. It's never really been on the tour, if ever. Um, I waited short to mid-iron proximity and, um, you know, the score to par from 100 to 125 and 125 to 150. Also weighted that a little heavier paced on guys that are drive the ball a little bit further, especially the short irons there. So I do think, like Vincenzi said in his article on Action Network, it should be a wedge war. Um, I like Snedeker there. He's always been a good short game player, had uh, some severe injury issues the past couple of years, and had a weird surgery. If you want to look up the story about what happened, I guess it's like the second surgery ever done, something with the sternum, how they cut out a bone and stuff like that. It's pretty crazy. It's a good read on Yahoo Sports there, but his ball striking was fantastic last week at Mirfield Village. Finished inside the top 50 in his first event back in a long time, and that's a tough place to play. He's accurate off the tee, which is going to matter here. I mean, it's pretty much every golf course. Fairways matter. The rough appears to be. Penal here is what we're hearing, so again, that's just hearsay. I've never walked the property. Can't tell you firsthand, but to get plus 240 on Snedeker, who obviously is confident enough to come back to um, the Memorial Tournament where I figured, you know, if he was old, one, he is old and injured and recovering from injury, he would not make that his first step back. Played great all week long in terms of the field strength there and what we'd probably expect out of Snedeker. Much weaker field here. Good course setup. I think he finishes inside the top 40 Um, with these. I had that priced at plus 175, so a lot of value on that ticket. I'm going to go with Brent Snedeker top 40 as my best bet at plus 240. What are your thoughts on Sinetiker? I know it's a very limited data size just from last week, but every single round seemed like he was middle of the pack ball striking, if not top
2: 20%. The one thing in my model that pulled him down a little bit, and, and I'll talk about it more as we discuss the course and some of the ways that I ran this, but I ran an expected realization of opportunities. Um, that's a very tricky tongue twister there. What,
0: um, what? Yeah, stop me there. What does that mean for the uh, for the audience out there? I've never heard you say that phrase.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like a very new stat that I created and I've done it before, but it's, so for me, what I'm trying to look for is I'm looking for weighted proximity, which we don't have the statistical data to bring in here. Um, so it's a little bit of, let's look at the whole distances. I watch the flyovers of the course. Let's try to figure out where the second shots will come from. Obviously that's a different amount for, or different range from every single player, but I'm trying to find those weighted proximity numbers. And then I'm trying to add on top of it, the make percentages, when adding that weighted proximity to the mix for every single player. So um, I don't want it to be something to where it completely degrades and, and takes a putter out of the mix because there are players that are going to create so many opportunities for themselves. One example for that for me would be Cameron Young. We'll talk about Cameron Young a little bit more later in this show, but it's like these guys that are creating a lot of opportunities, they don't need to make as many of the putts to work themselves up the leaderboard. I think it's going to be a birdie fest. We don't know that to hundred percent be true. You talked about the thick rough. Maybe that's a way that this changes the dynamics of the course a little bit, but kind of the way that I'm trying to run things is find me who's creating the most opportunities. Find me who's able to make those putts when creating the opportunities. And then that's kind of how I came up with my weighted scoring this weekend. That was a statistic where Snedeker did not necessarily excel for me. It's a limited uh, data sample size that I'm working with right now. He did look relatively safe for me when running this tournament from more of a safety perspective. And we always talk about this. That's what we're looking for on top 40 wagers. That's what we're looking for in some of these head to head markets. So I think it makes logical sense with that, with a number that's over plus 200. But, you know, like the lack of data here really threw me for a loop, unfortunately, with a lot of ways of doing it. And when you make such extreme answers like I have this week, you have to be careful because any of those alterations of a model will. Vastly change the price points of a player.
0: One thing to note, if we want to go strokes gained Canada, Brant Ecker has been fantastic in this event. I know it, it courses has changed a couple of times, but in to- two thousand twenty two, last year when he was injured, his game was a uh, not in good form. T forty eight in twenty nineteen, healthy, good season for Brant. Obviously, he's uh, still kind of on the on the back nine of his PGA Tour life, but T four in twenty eighteen, T eight in twenty sixteen. Tied for fifth. So, in terms of Strokes Scan Canada, I'm going with Brant Snedeker. I feel confident in that pick outside of the uh, injury concerns, but he looked good last week. As I've uh, said multiple times, you're talking myself into this one being a good ticket.
2: We might not have 40 players in this tournament by the time the event starts. That's so, right, you might yeah. have an automatic winner before this is said and done. But for my best bet, I am going to pull a show first. And I feel like I do this all the time with these random takes and these things. But I'm going to refrain from providing a best bet wager this week. We can talk about some plays that I do like from a number graph standpoint. We'll get into that in a little bit in the outright board, but I never feel comfortable saying that my favorite bet on the board is an outright wager. And on top of that, I don't necessarily want to give one of these favorites as my favorite bets for this week. So, um, you know, it's been quite the change of plans for me, Nick. Like we talked about this before we started recording the show. I was going to give Ben Griffin minus 110 over Taylor Pendrith. Uh, Griffin pulled out of the tournament. I had plans to fade Luke List and St- Sam Stevens. I was going to do Will Gordon over Luke List. Uh, List is now out of the tournament. Stevens is out of the tournament. Can't fade either one of those. I wanted to back Ben on Joseph Bramlett, Sam Ryder. Like they're gone now. This has been just a wild, like between the live golf and PGA tour merger and the u.s open yesterday of all the qualifiers i feel like everything in the golf world and specifically right now in the betting world has blown up so um it's going to be a very minimal card for me i'll have some outright wagers as i said that i'll talk about but very quickly before we move into the next part of the show you want to have a stance on the live golf and pga tour
0: i haven't really read a whole lot about it was at work for most of the day today obviously saw everything on twitter um I I don't know. I'm not educated enough on it to comment yet. I think it's awesome for the game of golf. I don't know what it means for golf betting. I think, you know, we've talked about it on the show multiple times. Um, These legal books in the States have been squeezing the hold margins like crazy every single week. I don't think that changes, especially when golf, you know, is likely to get a better product. I don't think it's going to matter because I think more people will start Entering the golf betting community with all the big names, Liv and PGA all tied together. We're going to see Brooks. It's interesting to see what's going to happen with the Ryder Cup. I think that's what I care about most. But yeah, I don't want to make any comments, you know, at the PGA Tour or at Live anything like that. I want to read more about the actual situation that's going on, how it's going to be formed. It'll be very interesting to see how the guys from Liv get their PGA Tour card back. If that's even a phrase after the next couple of days, I don't know. Um, but it it is awesome for golf. I mean, it's going to be great to see a lot of great players play golf again. I know these these majors have been fantastic so far. But just to see everybody back together, all the big names. I guess in terms of my wallet, it's probably not good because I'm sure there's going to be another way for Cameron Tringali to find his way back onto my weekly card every single week and not ever get a, get a big win. So I don't know. But Cameron Tringali is back on uh, – on tour, quote unquote. I don't, I don't know if it's called the tour. We'll see what it's called, but yeah, that's uh, it's huge news. And that's every, all everybody's going to care about this week. So kind of takes the limelight out of the RBC Canadian open, but hopefully we can get a couple more values down this board here.
2: Yeah. I will give the same answer about Harold Varner, the third, he's a golfer that I can't seem to stop backing. And now I'm going to have the possibility to do it again. And we've talked a lot about on this show about markets specifically on the legal side of things, squeezing all the value out of it, but You know, Thankfully, there are good books out there. One of them is Bet365. And this Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. And the offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, Nick, I think it is well-documented that the two of us are incredibly data-driven in our approach. Like, we've talked about this already with just the nuances and how difficult it's made this tournament in general. Uh, That's going to make it more challenging when trying to run numbers. I talked about the back end of what happens when you overdo it, but we have Oakdale Golf and Country Club. On paper, it measures 7,264 yards, par 72. It's a mixture of Bent and Poa greens here. I guess my question to you, man is with all the unknowns that we do have for this tournament how did you handicap this board
0: for the most part again like i talked about that short to mid iron play i think should be very important to me strokes gained off the tee especially guys that are longer hitters i would like them to be accurate and then have quality short iron play especially as of late good form coming into the event and then i think putting's going to matter too. I mean, I, I talk about it every single week. I don't ever discount putting, especially, you know, like look what Denny McCarthy did last week. His ball striking was solid in terms of Denny McCarthy, but he put so well and, you know, obviously should have probably had that tournament one prior to go into the playoff, but great to see Victor get across the finish line. He's been playing so well this year too, but yeah, pretty much uh, just find fairways. If you're a, uh, if you're a longer hitter, I want those short irons tuned up. If you're, uh, you know, I guess middle off the tee, then I want those mid irons and short irons tuned up as well. I think you're going to have to score in the par fives. I think that's what's going to be the the birdie holes here. I mean, that's pretty much any PGA venue in a nutshell. But overall, I didn't really want to reinvent the game of golf just for a tournament that or a venue, I'm sorry, that we don't know a whole lot about. Pretty much just going to take, you know, those three-tool players, guys that can hit the fairways, guys that hit the irons well, and guys that can put it. I don't think, you know, base, you know, I watch the flyovers like you did too. I don't think around the green play is going to be too important it doesn't look like there's a lot of runoffs and stuff like that that we usually see on the donald ross style designs so around the green i guess will be a little discounted for me but just ball strikers and putters
2: this is such a flawed question to ask you because we don't know anything what do you think what what do you think the winning score gets to
0: ah what was it last year 19
2: i can bring it up um
0: i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with 19 I don't know why that number sticks him because Rory won last year too. And usually we don't see him win a birdie fest. So what was it last year? I should know that again, different course. He was 19 under I'm going 19 under.
2: I, I don't know what I think the answer is. Like, I, I think if you ask most people in the space, you're going to get wild answers where like, I've heard people say this is going to reach the 30 under par range. Uh, Vegas has given a completely different answer to this. And I think a lot of these legal sports books can shop around, find what the best number is. Maybe there's some movement based off of this answer I'm giving now. I've seen more in like the 17 and a half over under range of what this is going to be. If it is only 17 and a half under, I may have misinterpreted how this tournament works ever so slightly. And maybe that comes down to this rough being more penal uh, than I think. Like, obviously we've seen four to six inches is what the going rate of right now of what it is. But um, it's an interesting event, Nick, because... I think like like I talked about, you obviously lose something from a betting perspective when we don't have the data to talk about. I kind of would make a different argument though on the flip side of it. I think for DFS, it might make a better board in a lot of ways, like As long as we still have players in the tournament and not everybody has withdrawn at some point, there's always game theory optimal routes to go. Because like the one difference with DFS, and I don't want to turn this into a DFS show, like we're here to talk about betting. But I do think it's important for this week because all of a sudden now, like when you're making bets, you're running numbers against what the sportsbook has and you're trying to find value in that sense when we don't have data to run some of this information, one of the things that we can look at is ownership percentage. And that's always a very important answer to be had on any of these websites. So I think when you know where people are going and if you do formulate an opinion and all of a sudden you can figure out where you're different, there might be an advantage to be had there. Maybe it's a better DFS week for that reason, but I kind of keep going back to the same answer that I'm having to wear. I don't love this from a betting takeaway with it. Um, You know, we've talked about the flyovers that we've watched of this course. I do think it looks incredibly straightforward. We have eight par fours that stretch between 354 to 432 yards. That's going to begin to tell that picture that you were talking about, Nick, of short iron play. I also think the need to make putts is really important. That's something that I keep going back to this week. I also notice what likely turns into an increased demand for par five birdie or better percentage. You just talked about that yourself. Like, obviously, there's only three at this property, but each of them looks reachable in two shots. You know, we have one that's under 500 yards, like that might turn it into an eagle hole for a lot of players there. So if all of a sudden we are saying that the winning score is somewhere between, let's play this safe and say 17 under to 23 under, and you're going to get 12 opportunities on the par fives. I bet you that the person who wins this tournament is the one that plays the par fives in like double digit under par, like they're going to be 10 under and half of their winning score will probably come from that range mixed with the short par fours there. So uh, for me, I looked at par five birdie or better percentage a lot that went into the weighted scoring. I ran that expected opportunities that would be realized in my model. I have a strokes gain total, which kind of just encompasses a total driving outlook, a weighted proximity. I did include some around the green numbers here. I saw a little bit more undulation and runoff than you did. Not necessarily heavy. Um, maybe it's a little bit more difficult though, with the way that I ran my model than you did, but I mean, really at the end of the day, I think that we can see this from where money is moving, where bets are going, where ownership is going in other directions with it. People seem to be on the same players this week, and If you can find a way to get different, you might be able to find an advantage. It's just, unfortunately from a betting answer, I haven't found too many of those choices this week, but all right, Nick, you want to get into the outright bets?
0: Let's do it. All right. I need your thoughts. Um, I pretty much just value grabbed. If my numbers had something different, um, at least three points different on the, the top of the board, I went with that. So I started my board with Sahith Thigala at 30 to 1. Mid-tier guy that my numbers seem to like. I got him at 37 to 1 in my numbers. Um, you could find 45 to 1 on Adrian Maronk, just an overall solid player, pretty having a pretty good month here. I'll take the Canadian. I had to take one. It's going to be Adam Hadwin, 55 to 1. He was so damn good at Mirfield. on day one just kind of fell apart in day two. I'm hoping that day one form can come over here to Canada. I think that's a pretty long number for a guy that has, I'm sure, played this course many times. And then I'm going to go with Brant Seneca at 350 to 1 for the bomb of the week. I have some room in the card for an absolute favorite. I guess it's not going to be Rory. I'm not going shorter than 6 to 1 on anybody. I probably won't go shorter than 10 to 1 on anybody all year long. Sam Burns piques my interest a little bit at 14 to 1. I think you can get 16 to 1 out there as well, depending on if you shop around. I believe Bet365 actually, nope, they did have 16 to 1. Looks like that went down to 14 to 1 currently. I think that's about it. I don't think I'm going to mess with Hatton. I do like Fitzpatrick a little bit too, but again, birdie fest and everything like that. We've always talked about him multiple times. I really, really, really like Fleetwood here, but at 20 to one, I just can't get there. So what are your thoughts on, give give me a guy that you like that is 20 to one or shorter. And please tell me it's Sam Burns.
2: Burns or Cameron Young.
0: Cameron Young. Really?
2: Yeah. And I know that's a really gross answer to give here. And I decided to build my card differently this week. And, you know, it's like, it's one of those spots where, and I'm not saying that we should make changes based off of this. You always have to be cautious and all of that comes into play. But these boards continue to yield the same answer where one of these reduced options has won almost every single tournament this year. And in fairness, I wasn't going to get to Victor Hovland last week. But the point remains that it's been difficult for someone like myself when most of my weekly exposure does occur in that 40 to one or higher range. As I said, I don't wanna overreact. I think it's important that we stay the course because I don't believe making massive deviations with such a small sample size is the correct way to go about it. But there have been two to three events this year. Like I can think of Justin Rose at Pebble. Um, I can think of Siwoo Kim when he won. Like these are options where they were kind of in that 25, 30 to one range. Corey Connors at Valero would be another. Where I liked them, my model had value in those spots and I decided to jump more into that 40 to 50 to one range. I ended up missing out on the outright ticket here. So I am going to build a really unique card at the end of the day. Like, you know, I'm going to stack the top here a little bit. Obviously, more aggression does come with extra exposure and the need to hit a higher percentage of your bets. But I'm going to lower my win totals from eight units down to seven. I am betting both Cameron Young and Sam Burns. uh, Sam Burns 16 to one, Cameron Young 15 to one. I have Keith Mitchell 40 to one. That is the entire card this week. I do believe on Bet365, if you shop around, you can find Keith Mitchell at 45 to 1. At least it was that way this morning in the enhanced portion of their market. Um, with some of these withdrawals, maybe that has changed over the last hour here, but I still think at 40 to 1, that's a good price. But yeah, I, I like Sam Burns a lot this week, Nick. I, I And I think it kind of comes down to, like, let's start with Cameron Young. I guess we'll we'll go player by player here and then we'll move forward with it. But Like the Cameron Young answer sounds gross. I don't necessarily expect anyone to tail that wager with what we've gotten out of him recently, but there's a reason in my mind that this price has been reduced as far as it has by books. My note, my model noticed a few statistical answers that turned Young into the best upside option in the field when we ignored his paltry current form. I I do realize, and it's something that we talk about a lot on this show, and sometimes it's overgraded by people and sometimes it's, you know, undervalued, but how someone is producing does matter, but I do expect Oak Hill to play as a much different venue than some of these challenging stops that have seen him cause issues in the past with this short game. You talked about maybe the around the green game, not meaning as much here. I do tend to agree with that answer, although I did weigh it. And then my numbers made him one of only two players in this field to grade inside the top 10 for every statistical metric that I ran inside my model. That's going to naturally generate a higher floor for this track, which We're looking for upside, not necessarily a floor, but then it also comes into play when looking at this expected realization of opportunities created. That is where he skyrocketed in my model compared to expectation with him. So he is creating more opportunities in my model than any golfer in this field from five to 15 feet on this specific sort of green type that I'm expecting it to be with the speed and the texture that we have. He ended up being the 23rd ranked player in putting for me. That is a massive deviation from expectation there. And it's kind of the same answer that I gave with him when we talked about the match play contest, which I guess you weren't on on that show. But when when I had Cameron Young as my big rollover bet and we got him to the finals and ended up being a very advantageous week, which funny enough... Sam Burns is the winner of that. So maybe there's a reason why I'm seeing something in the way that I have run this because my model also like Sam Burns that week, but I'm just trying to find players that are going to create a, a lot of opportunities and be able to make those putts. So young at 15 to one Sam Burns at 16, to one would be the second player that I talked about that was inside the top 10 of every category I ran. And then I did close out my card with Keith Mitchell at 40 to one. As I said, you might be able to shop around and find better than that, but for me, this is one of those spots where Mitchell has continued to struggle to produce when looking at only his results. But I do think many of those finishes have been stunted by a poor round that has seen him free fall off the leaderboard. Like when I ran this from an expectation standpoint, so that would be weighted scoring, weighted strokes gain total. Those outputs are going to be very similar for how it's run. That's the reason why nine of the top 10 players are the same that I'm going to mention here. But when you hear this list of players that are inside the top 10 of that met- those two metrics, Rory, Cameron Young, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Rose Burns, Connors, Hatton, Keith Mitchell. So Keith Mitchell is the highest person that you can find on the odds board that I think does have legitimate win equity here. So for me, it's a stack the top sort of a board. I'm going to get my exposure that way. And I really don't have much going on right now outside of those three wagers.
1: Hi there, listeners. We're back to invite you to head into this sports betting summer with new gear built to last. And friends of the podcast, Shady Rays have you covered against the glare of that summer sun with premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company offering world-class products, durable frames, the clearest possible optics, and Shady Rays also offers the best protection plan in all of eyewear. How good is it? Well, every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, it's okay. You don't need to cry about it. You just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. And you can look good and feel good because to date, Shady Race has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. That's nice. So exclusively for you, our beloved podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to shadyrays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses and you can try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people.
0: I love it. I think it's a uh, it's a good hill to die on. I think especially I, I love the Cameron Young call. Only issue I have with him is just the fairway potential here. I, I know we loved him last year at the British Open there at the old course and how his short game, mm-hmm. you know, graded out fantastic, especially those short irons is what we love. But he could spray it off the tee a little bit there more. But for 15 to one, I think that's the best number on the market now. I think I'll go that route instead of Sam Burns. I think it sounds like you would agree, especially when, you know, we're going for a straight up upside here and an outright ticket, you know, second so, is just as bad as dead last.
2: I agree with that. I will say for me, they are first and second when I ran this from upside, which is a wild answer to give with Rory being in this tournament. Um, I had some concerns with Rory with some of his expected make percentages from these distances, but like there's so much that I liked about Cameron Young, like, You talked about the inaccuracy off the team. I don't think it's necessarily as bad as public perception is. Look, first of all, he's really strong. So if he is playing out of the rough, he's going to be able to manhandle it a little bit better than some players in the field. But when I included a 60-40 split, so that would be of driving accuracy getting 60% of my weight and driving distance getting 40% of my weight, which is a statistic that you would expect to plummet young down a model from it. He was still the 14th expected player for me in total driving on this course. Like anywhere in the top 15 is a really good value for a player that I think everybody's off right now because of the recent results that we've seen, which if you want to look at what he's actually produced lately, the ball striking has looked great. It's just the short game that continues to spiral for him. Like I noticed it last week when he missed the cut at the Memorial, he gained in all facets of off the tee and approach. He lost five and a half, six shots putting. Like That's something that you're going to have to deal with, but I think he has the ability to spike on these greens, and I do think he has the ability to create so many opportunities that if he can just be average with the putter, all of a sudden now he's creating more opportunities, and if he's hitting them in an average clip, this is how you can get the 20 under par to win this event. So that's kind of my backing of why I am on Cameron Young this week. As I said, I don't necessarily expect very many people to tail that with what we've seen for a golfer that's never won on the PGA Tour before, with a price that's now 15 to 1 or less, depending on where you find it. But I think all those answers are kind of indicative right now of where the sports books are standing with Cameron Young. Because if this was one of those spots where they wanted no, like if they were fine with people backing him, just make him 25 to 1, and like you still wouldn't get very much action on it. But When I ran this for upside, like I legitimately could push Cameron Young into that 12, 11 to one sort of range, which um, is a wild answer to give. I understand that, Nick, but I don't necessarily have as much intrigue on some of the other players at the top. Like Rory got pushed down a little bit for me while he was still a top, you know, three win equity option.
0: All right. If you had to choose one guy in the mid upper tier of Pagala, Shane Lowry, Fleetwood, and Rose. Who would you choose? Just one.
2: I would choose Fleetwood. I am not on the goal of this week. Um, he's probably going to, I'm not necessarily like fading him in head to head matchups, but I kind of have a feeling he might disappoint here a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, looking at a lot of the books right now, they do not respect him in the matchup market. So that was pretty interesting. I had him at 27 to one took the 30. Um, after talking to you, I kind of regret that ticket a little bit, but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, any other thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I'll just add one thing really quickly. Like, if I'm looking for my biggest differences, which this did not work out well last week when I said Victor Hovland was a big difference for me, and the and Hovland were kind of the two mispriced options. And obviously, Hovland won the event, so that doesn't work out well when you say that. But this week, it would probably be Shane Lowry and the that you know they're in the 20s more or less. I mean, maybe you can find a little bit better if you shop around on those names, but I have them more in the 40s, 50s, 60s, depending. Like, the Gala is even higher, I mean, than Lowry if we're trying to get accurate with the numbers here, but I like your Morant call. I-, I thought he was an interesting name that I considered and I don't run a bunch of European tour stats. So for him to grade as well as he did in my model and the very short sample size that we, uh, that at least I had for him, I thought he was an intriguing play. And I was very interested in trying to find a way to back one of the Canadian golfers this week. I know Canadians don't win the RBC Canadian Open. It just does not happen. It hasn't happened in the longest time. But uh, I thought Hadwin was an intriguing choice. I think Svensson was a little bit intriguing also. Like those would probably be the two Canadians if I was going to punch a ticket. Didn't ultimately get there when you start a card young and burns. And then you also go to another 40 to one option. Like... I think for me, it ended up being 1.09 units, give or take to win seven. So kind of a big exposure that I'm weighing down plus a reduced win amount from eight to seven. So there's some downsides with those answers. I'm going to have to hit a wager more frequently, but yeah, it's just difficult to get much more exposure to this event. And that kind of more or less takes me out of the in-tournament betting card this week. Like I don't like to be more than 1.25 units and that's usually when I'm betting to win you know, eight plus units on it. So I'm kind of in this funky spot right now to where I know everybody always gives the answer, save your money for the major championship. I'm not a believer of that. I think every single tournament grades the same way. I'm trying to find value on a board where I can find it, but I could not find the value, Nick.
0: All right, last question. Looking at some prices, seems like the books respect someone you respect more than probably his own family, Alex (laughs) Smalley.
2: Yeah, I, I'm fine with Smalley. Um, I don't love him as much as I normally do. I think the one answer that isn't...
0: <laughs> that's the answer I was looking for.
2: Well, I, I think what you get from him is you get a reduction. You get an importance raised on par five scoring, but you also get a reduction to where he only has three and not four. Um, I have him as a top 40 option in my model, but that's an every week answer. Like, There's tournaments where he's pushed top 10 for me. So for him to be more in that 30 range... I'm fine with anybody who wants to punch a ticket on him. But I do think in general, a lot of these numbers at this point, specifically with all the withdrawals that have happened over the past 12 hours, most of the value is dead in the market at this point. And like specifically for me on the placement bets, I don't see really any value in the placement market. Like I'll talk about one player that I'm going to punch a ticket on, which uh, is as gross as you can get on these boards, which I continue to do it every single week. But like, I'm not rushing out as I keep saying to make any of these wagers. So, you know, maybe Smalley ends up becoming a DFS answer above anything else.
0: All right, last guy we've been playing a lot, Mark Hubbard.
2: I do like Hubbard. Uh, what are your what's your stance on him?
0: I do. I think the form's awesome. He's playing. I just like I like Mark Hubbard. I think he's a safe golfer. He's in good form.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think if we're looking specifically on DFS, he's mispriced there. He should not be a seven thousand. 000... golfer on a specific site out there. And I think when you look in the betting market, you see a lot of the upside numbers that books believe he has. When you look at matchups with him and Upside to win this tournament. Um, I have no issues with anybody who wants to back him. Like, I- I'd make an argument that I think you have a lot of guys in that like 100 to 1 range. If you really are trying to take a different approach than what I did, and I don't necessarily think any of these golfers are going to necessarily win, but uh, there's a lot of golfers to me kind of in that 100 to 1 zone that I found intriguing this week. Um, and maybe that ends up becoming a placement bet above anything else. But the one unfortunate one was Ben Griffin withdrawing from this event. I was very bullish on him. I was going to have him top 40. I was going to have the the head-to-head matchup against Taylor Pendrith. Him getting removed from the field really removed a lot of the equity stake that I was going to get in this tournament. Well, yeah, that's fair. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice
0: No, it is. uh, I have no matchups. Couldn't really find anything. And I had two, but they withdrew. So nice.
2: Yeah, I also had two that withdrew. So that did not help. Um, The only other one that I was considering, and I don't think I'm going to get there. Don't necessarily have a reason to want to fade this guy. I would like to get your stance on him. Um, I also have some concerns that my model might be a little bit too aggressive on the recent sample size that we've gotten on this player. But Vincent Norman, minus 110 over Brandon Wu. Any any take on that?
0: My numbers love Norman. I got Norman here at 84 to 1, which I think is significant to the value, and Brenna Wu at 110. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the price on that? You got minus 120 on Norman?
2: Uh, well, it was 110. I don't know if it's moved since. If it's minus moved, 110,
0: then... yeah. I have it priced at minus 125, give or take, if I were to run that one. So yeah, I would take that. I personally like a little bit more value on the ticket, but yeah, I I think Norman's... A good spot there. The it's market really, seems to like them too.
2: It's a really funny answer that you've given because I also had proper at 125. So I'm usually looking, and I've said this before, I would like 20 plus points of value. I did not find a wager that fit that threshold for me this week. So that was the closest one that I had. I don't know. I mean, I I, I think at some point, like the problem that we're running into is we are forcing things at this point to have a conversation, which is what I don't want to do on this show. Like It ultimately comes down to finding value. And if there's not value to be found, like you and I aren't going to just force wagers for the sake of saying it. I do think there is value on the number by about 15 points, but you're starting to reduce that margin of victory that you have. You, All of that kind of is an answer to have on the back end of this equation here, but only other one I'll give, and I'll just mention it in like passing here because the very volatile wager, Justin Lauer plus 300 to come top 40 I do think there's value in that number. You're going to get a very wonky expectation from him. Like the upside numbers love him, And you could even make an argument where it's this big of a discrepancy inside my model. Sometimes those golfers are better to play as like a top 20 sort of a bet and just bet on all the upside that you do have when the downside makes them one of like the sketchier golfers in the field. But I do think at three to one, that's already a really big price for a golfer that like for me, from an overall rank sense He was 36th overall. Uh, When I ran it for upside, he climbed higher. And then for safety, he plummeted down my model at a very rapid pace, which is the alarming answer here for why he could miss a cut. But irons have turned around recently. One of the better expected scores that I had when taking all things into account. Also inside the top 20 for me when it came to expected strokes gain total, which would be the same exact answer that I think we talked about this at the Byron Nelson a couple weeks ago. I had Lauer in that wager at, I want to say eight to one to come top 20. And I had mentioned that there were two players that stuck out as golfers that were unique of the way they were popping out. Lauer was one of them. The other one was CT Pan who came in fourth in that tournament. Uh, I think CT Pan is another intriguing name here, depending on what kind of a price you can get on him. But uh, it's a very similar course, I guess, to how I've run things in the past at other venues, even though I didn't mean to make it that way.
0: CT Pan, DFS value nonetheless, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I think he's an intriguing play there. But all right, I guess let's close this show how we normally do with Roberto and do a few rapid fire questions. Uh, These are not going to be as intriguing as when he does it. I am not going to become your sugar daddy and offer you wagers and prices and punch tickets for you and pay all those bets out. So these are just going to be very simple. You get three choices here. We'll look at this from an outright sense. Uh, Numbers do not matter. Numbers in the space do not matter. Just if you had to punch a ticket on one of these players, who would you bet? So let's start with Cameron Young, Justin Rose, and Corey Connors. I think we know where I'm going there, but who would you take?
0: Same way, Cameron Young, all day.
2: Michael Kim, Aaron Wise, or Taylor Pendrith?
0: Ooh. I would just love Aaron Wise and think it's coming, but the ball striking has been so bad since he's returned. Give me Michael Kim.
2: Michael Kim has been very steady. I continue to not understand how his results are so good with the way that he grades in my model every single week. Like I'm willing to ignore that, but I'm probably most inclined to want to bet on Wise and his ability to produce in certain aspects of his game that I believe he can find success here, specifically if this does reach into the 20 under par or greater range. He's one of the best birdie makers that I have inside my model. Uh, You talked about the numbers going South here recently, but you know, that expected realization of opportunities 12th for me in that sense. So maybe he can make a run up this board and this might be his coming back out party from a really tough year for him. Unfortunately, like I I had massive expectations for him and this has just not worked out in any way. So hopefully he's in a good spot mentally and, and hopefully his game is trending in the right direction again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That'd be good to see.
2: All right. Vincent Norman, Lee Hodges, or your boy, Will Gordon?
0: Will Gordon. Vincent Norman, uh, honorable mention, but yeah, Will Gordon. He's going to win a PGA Tour event soon.
2: Have you seen how much some of these sharper markets like Lee Hodges this week?
0: Yes. I mean, he's in great form. And what, he, did he finished fifth last week? Tied fifth? No, T12. Okay. That came out of nowhere. I mean, he hits a ton of fairways. He's a good iron player.
2: Yeah, I, like for me, if I was to power rank them, give me the I upside it's very, of Will Gordon. I, it's very close between like my model would pick Vincent Norman. I kind of think Gordon's boom or bust mentality works better as an outright um, Norman probably works better as like a top 40 sort of bed, a head to head wager like I talked about. And then I didn't necessarily love Hodges. I'm willing to respect some of that sharper movement that's occurred to the point where I removed a couple head to head bets that I was going to like, I think there is one out there where I want to say you can find Gordon against Hodges if you shop around and maybe that's an intriguing route to go. If you are trying to back Gordon and fade Hodges, but as we're talking about here, we're really looking for outright. So I'll probably rank them Gordon Norman Hodges. Okay. All right. Last one. And then we will let everyone get out of here this week. I am not going to let you get off this show without talking about this player. Don't ever put me in charge of a show. That's like advice to action network here. If if I can talk about this golfer in an event that he's in, (sighs) I really, Nick, by the way, I wanted to say Webb Simpson, Michael Block, and like Ryan Hall to force you to say Webb Simpson here, but I'm going to give you a real three to choose between, which unfortunately means you probably will not take Webb in this spot, but Webb Simpson, Doug Gim, Carson Young.
0: God, that's rough. I'll go with the Gim Reaper. Give me Doug.
2: The right answer for me is probably Carson Young. I think I'm kind of aggressively on all the Youngs this week. I do somewhat like Webb, though. Like, I know that's an answer I always give on shows, but I've I've been, you have to admit, Nick, I've been reserved recently. I haven't gone on every single show and said Webb. I've been very calculated on the spots where I do want to throw Webb back into the mix here, but I... Very boom or bust that shows up yes. in my model with what we see here, but I don't really know the best way to play him. Like I wouldn't use him as a matchup. I think you're probably best betting him as like a top 20. If you want to hope that he's turned back the clock here a little bit, but I guess from an overall answer, I'll take Webb. I've changed my mind. Of Webb course, over Carson yeah, Young.
0: That yeah, was easy. Cash it.
2: <laughs> All right, Nick, uh, where can everybody find you?
0: At Sticks Picks, S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S. I uh, hope everybody enjoys the tournament this week and uh, see what shakes out with the PGA Tour and live. I think just short answer, it's going to be awesome for golf.
2: I think you added a really interesting point at the beginning of the show here because, and I just want to touch on it very quickly before we get out of here. I've heard everybody talk about getting these live golfers back onto the PGA Tour, how it's going to help placement markets and how it's going to help outright boards. I do not agree. This has nothing to do with who is available. This has to do with the hold percentages and the increased hold percentages that casinos have taken on in all these spots. And it's why we always talk about on this show. I think the best book to be betting at if you have the option is bet three six five for all those reasons. Um, you know, their enhanced win market really does run circles around most other shops. Like you're going to be able to find the best price there in almost all of these situations. So, you have them available, please do consider Bet365. And then you can find me on Twitter at tl sports. I'll also be co-hosting the Gimme on Wednesday with Jason Sobel. I don't know, Nick. Hopefully I'll have a few more wagers to talk about as things begin to enter the market than I did today. But thank you for everyone listening to this week's edition of Links and Locks, Action Network's golf betting podcast. We are proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbooks brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get 365's exclusive sign-up offer, bet $1 on any game, and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older, offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia inside the USA. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. And then for more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week along with ActionNetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content that we do put out for every single event. As far as Nick and I are concerned, we will see you guys back here next week for what is going to be a wild U.S. Open with all the news that is broken in the world of golf. We will see you guys then. Thank you for tuning in. Action Network reminds you, please
0: gamble responsibly.